Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tops Talk, episode 12. And we thank you for listening in from whenever and wherever you are. I'm your host, Alex Birsch. The year 1947 was an important one in sports history, in which two men from vastly different backgrounds would take their first steps into their respective institutions and begin to make their indelible marks. The first, of course, was Jackie Robinson, the man who broke the color barrier. He forced Major League Baseball to include all races in the sport's most competitive league, thanks to his talent, wit, and perseverance. The other budding icon started in a more under-the-radar fashion, but in the following decade, he began making his mark on not just sports, but an industry. That icon's name was Seymour Perry Berger, or as everyone would come to know him as, Cy. Cy Berger began at Topps in that year of 1947, but it was 1952 that would produce the big bang of baseball card collecting. With help from creative director Woody Gelman, Berger would completely change the look and feel of the baseball card. The pair transformed it from a supporting actor in packs of gum to a solo act in a box of its own. Eye-catching images were used, up-to-date information and tidbits were on the back, and nearly every baseball player in the game was there to collect. His wife, Gloria Berger, who was with him during his first steps within the Topps offices until the very end, remembers what it took to get the perfect design. To think, the modern-day baseball card got its beginning on the kitchen table in our first house that we purchased upon size return at the end of World War II. He would work every evening after dinner, sometimes as late as 3 a.m., until he had what he thought was the perfect baseball card for a new modern era, the 1950s. Cy always gave his best to whatever job he approached, and that was the only way he knew how to work. It was because of this, Cy was called the father of modern baseball cards, and his contribution to tops and the collecting and sports world is just too much to quantify. Cy passed away on December 14, 2014, at the age of 91, and we would like to dedicate this episode to him and his legacy. In this episode, you'll hear from Topps' vice president and general manager, David Liner, Cy's son, Glenn, and Butch Jacobs, the longtime director of photography, who grew within the company during Cy's tenure and was often considered his right-hand man. But first, words from one of his closest and most famous friends upon learning of his passing. What can I say about Cy Berger? He was my longtime friend. He helped me from my first days in the majors. I never could have made it without him. He always knew the right thing to say or the right thing to do. We worked together. We laughed together. We grew up together. What I can say to you is, he was my friend. What I would say to him is, so long, old pal. Willie Mays, December 14th, 2014. I'm joined by David Liner, who is Topps' Vice President and General Manager of Sports and Entertainment. David, thanks so much for joining. You're very welcome. So let's continue to talk about Cy. Explain to the listeners how sizable the impact that he made, not just to Tops, but to the trading card industry. Yeah, the, what Cy did for the trading card industry, I mean, is incredibly large. I mean, he basically is the person that founded the baseball card industry as we know it today. 
Um, his impact was absolutely immense from incredible designs um, with, you know, bordered designs, hand-painted artwork in the original sets, and really bringing unique um, designs and content uh, to trading cards prior to um, him really revolutionizing the trading card uh, business in the early 1950s. Trading cards really didn't have a lot of the statistics and a lot of the information and vitals um, that we have seen on trading cards for the past 65 years. So what he did for the baseball card industry at first and for trading cards in general um, is immeasurable. Let's talk about what baseball cards were like before Cy really put his imprint on this type of a product. Prior to Cy, um, and even uh, the heritage of the Topps company, you know, at first for Topps, uh, baseball cards were used as really a device to sell more chewing gum as Topps started off as a chewing gum company. And um, Topps actually had released many non-sports um, sets as well in the early 1950s. And actually some of Topps' first sets that were actually produced um, that are kind of in the modern trading card realm were non-sports trading cards. And going way back to some of the first trading cards, really, that started coming out in the kind of late 1800s, there were all sorts of different sizes of trading cards. Trading cards were used uh, mostly as a device to sell tobacco um, initially, but there's all sorts of different um, cabinet cards. There were cards, um, you know, some of the very uh, famous cards were contained in Cracker Jack packages, um, kind of as a premium, but tobacco was really the main driver of where where trading cards really originated and where a lot of the really famous late 1800s early 1900 sets um, are and you know things like the famous Honus Wagner card um, was a tobacco card as well and Honus Wagner famously did not want to be associated with the tobacco companies so he had his trading card pulled from production and that's why that's one of the most uh, cherished and uh, revered cards because there's very few in existence and um, a lot of collectors love to chase that card and see that card. And so let's dive into the details of of what Cyberger did to the trading card. You touched on it a bit earlier. You talked about revolutionizing the look of it. So go into the details of that. The Original Topps trading cards, Topps baseball cards, I should say, of the early 1950s were actually a slightly larger size than the trading cards that we all collect today. And um, the original sets were also all composed of original artwork, which continued into the you know mid-1950s, but eventually um, the trading cards went to actual photography. But what Sai really did was create a set and the first kind of set collecting and set building where, you know, the cards were all numbered, Mickey Mantle being the famous card number 311. And he really designed a set that could be collected that people could go out and try to complete. So prior to the arrival of Psy and kind of the 1952 top set, set building was kind of an unknown premise. So having card numbers on the backs, um, having different additions and in printings of the set. So there's, you know, famously the 1952 Topps high number set is more scarce than the original print run um, as those cards came out later in the season and were not uh, mass produced to the same extent that the cards from the earlier sets were. So really bringing um, the full color photography 
the vitals and some of the statistics and the information on the back of the card um, that I described a, a little bit earlier, that was really a, a lot of the new things that Cy brought to the trading cards. If you look back at a lot of those tobacco cards, there's not much on the back other than kind of just an advertisement for the tobacco company. So really bringing set building, full color imagery, um, vital statistics, um, more fun facts and fun information on the back of the card um, was really key um, to the changes that Cy had made for baseball cards. He really turned this into something very organized and complete and in a way that people who are interested in that could make their collection complete and even to start a collection because it seemed like before it was a bit kind of all over the place of this person might have a card, this person might have a card. But as you're saying, he would create a set, which was something to kind of be sought after to, to complete, which is something that's extraordinary. And he also did something very important, which was change the size of it. Yeah, that that's correct. I mean, he made the card a lot, you know, the size a lot larger than a lot of the traditional tobacco cards, even the, you know, 1930s, you know, Gaudi cards. He brought, yeah, that larger format. And I think, you know, you touched upon the thesis as well. What that really drove to is for the first time, you know, trading of baseball cards, because prior to the 1952 set, trading wasn't necessarily, you know, a, a common practice. And when set building and completeness became a large driver for the trading card products and baseball cards, that's where kind of the name trading card even came from. Prior to the arrival of that set in, in Cy Berger, trading wasn't really a common thing. Of course, people would try to find, you know, the tobacco cards of their favorite stars, but there wasn't the trading for the sake of completeness and trying to collect all of the cards in the set. So it was very revolutionary at the time. We kind of take it for granted today. But if you really think back to the 1950s, it was absolutely revolutionary what Cy did. Yeah. And he was the father, you could say, he was the father of trading cards because without him, without his involvement, like you said, there would be no cards to really trade because why would you trade them? That's absolutely correct. And so let's also talk about the information on the back because not a lot of people now truly understand the impact that putting information on the back of cards that were useful and important and colorful, this info on the back of the cards really kind of painted the, the full picture of the player that was on that card because obviously... Where else are you going to find that info? Because maybe on the newspaper on Sundays, but that w that was it. Obviously, no internet. Yeah, you make a great point, and many people often forget that. I mean, really, up until I mean, I collected mostly in the late '80s and early 1990s, and even back then, the trading card kind of settled all the playground disputes. I mean, that is where everybody turned to figure out who had the most home runs in 1987. You'd have to flip over the back of a bunch of your cards, or you would, you know, look for the home run leaders card that Tops would produce. So, really, um, going from when Cy initially started putting statistics and vitals on the back, all the way through kind of the mid 1990s, the back of the trading card really encapsulated the, you know, all the information, statistical data, and was one of the top sources out there really. Um, to get statistics and to get career figures. And obviously today with the internet, things have changed dramatically, but it was such an important piece. And for the longest time, Tops actually had the large, one of the largest statistical databases out there. So um, it, it can't be understated how important statistics, vitals, um, et cetera, were. And even the picture on the front, because we forget in the 1950s too, you know, 
television was a new thing. Um, so a lot of times, unless the team was in a local market, um, you would not even have a chance to see what the player really looked like, not to mention a lot of television at the time was in black and white. So trading cards brought full color imagery. You got to see the player maybe for the first time and the only color image you could find um, of that player um, at that time in the 1950s. So really, really an important fact. It's well known that that Psy and, and Tops really invested in great color, which separated themselves from, let's say, publications like newspapers and magazines. I mean, Tops is where you could go, those baseball cards, to find that eye-popping color that really stuck out on the playground or in the living room or wherever you are. Let's talk about how Cy Burger affected your life. I mean, I, I know for a fact that you enjoy collecting. And so talk a bit about how trading cards really affected your life. Yeah, I was uh, always a big collector and uh, still am today. Um, as a kid, I collected baseball cards and I was definitely in that era where, you know, basically my entire allowance went to buying more and more packs of trading cards. As a kid, there was nothing I wanted more than just more and more packs of trading cards to try to chase my favorite players and to complete my sets. So when I look back at my childhood, baseball cards were a pivotal part of my childhood and many, many memories I have, you know, from childhood revolve around trading cards, lugging around my baseball cards in my backpack, on the playground trading with friends. So when I look back at a lot of, you know, my early years, formative years, baseball cards played a tremendous role. Um, you know, all my friends, when we talk about my working at Tops today, everybody has very fond memories of Tops in their childhood. And to think about what my childhood, you know, would have been like without baseball cards. I mean, it still would have been, I'm sure, fantastic and nice and all that. But it was just, it was literally a part of daily life was always talking about baseball cards. I don't think I ever went to school without having some amount of baseball cards in my backpack. The, you know, the, the capital on the playground to say you had this guy's rookie card or that was really important. So when I look back at my childhood, really a lot of the aspects um, and, and fond memories I have did involve baseball cards um, and Cy Berger really was the person that created this and made this fun hobby that many of us enjoyed for many many years and still today I, I collect as well um, I have broadened my collection into other things um, also but uh, trading cards are still something I really love and still uh, still collect to this day yeah and one could say that one of Cy's greatest and most important gifts was the eventual vice president and general manager of North American Sports Entertainment because here you are sitting right here because of your love of collecting cards. So thank you, Cy, wherever you are now. David, thanks so much for joining. Thank you for having me. On the phone with me now is Glenn Berger, Cy's son, and Butch Jacobs, who was the longtime director of photography of the Tops Company, worked with Cy for many years, often called his right-hand man. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. Glenn, I'd like to start with you first. Tell us about Cy and what he was like as a person. Cy was probably the kindest person I ever met. He was a very, very giving person, and uh, he gave out without asking anything in return. So um, he gave his time and his love and um, 
to everyone I know. So, I mean, as a person, you couldn't hope for a better friend or um, you're a better dad. Um, and and um, he was very emotional. So his eyes would always light up when he was talking about something he was fond of. They would almost tear up. He was very affectionate, um, very physical, so a lot of hugs. He was very astute, um, very exacting. Um, as I told you before, he was an accounting major, and... and uh, I would watch him at night um, do batting averages and things as a young kid, and everything was very, everything precise from his from his handwriting um, to the expectations he put on himself. He was a great friend and mentor. Um, you know, he let me develop as I did. You know, it was really it was really fun growing up with him as a as a person. Everyone loved him. All my friends did. Uh, he would take us all to the ballpark and into the clubhouses. Um, and he would share whatever um, whatever he had um, with other people. Good listener, too. Butch, Butch can tell you more. Butch, <laughs> Butch spent more time with him in his life than I did. Yeah, <laughs> caring and giving, giving individual. Everywhere he went, you know, people were happy to see him. You know, they glad-handed him. And like you said, he was full of hugs and, uh, you know, smiles and, and good words for people. Uh, Sai was a, a beloved individual, you know. Uh, and he and he did share what he had. Best boss a guy could possibly have. And with Cy uh, Butch, what type of aspects did he kind of give to you that you instilled in your own work and and maybe even personal life? Well, first and foremost, uh, Cy gave me an opportunity. I was uh, working at the company as the uh, mail clerk messenger mail clerk and I didn't tops all of maybe a week and um, I'm at home one evening watching the Met game and Cy is presenting this life-size baseball card to Hank Aaron it's Hank Aaron night at, at Shea and I you know I said you know I'm, I'm gonna go introduce myself to this guy see who he is you know told my I seen him on TV and I uh, First thing that morning is I'm, I'm making my rounds, delivering the mail. Uh, I went to his office, uh, introduced myself, told him that uh, I had seen him on television that night. And from that point on, um, he welcomed me. I mean, he, he, he became a friend. Uh, he always took time out to to chat with me, you know, in the midst of his uh, busy morning, you know, preparing for his day. Uh, and Glenn also mentioned that uh, Cy was very meticulous and he had this, you know, pristine handwriting. Uh, Cy was a great communicator. And uh, part of that communication is, is in writing. And uh, he told me... <laughs> The, the importance of, of working on my, pre, you know, my penmanship and that, you know, it was part of the presentation and that, you know, and, and that's something that I instilled into my, my personal life. And I also passed that along to my own children, you know, that they should take pride in something as simple as their handwriting, you know. Uh, I mean, I, there's so many things that, you know, Sai has uh, impressed us with or left us with and, uh, you know, you really don't know where to start, you know. Uh, well, how about I'll, I'll, I'll give you something to run with then. Um, so what would what might be one of your favorite 
stories that when you think back of working with Cy that you can recall very well? Um, my, my first first time he's taken me to uh, spring training with him, you know, we'd go to the various camps and uh, we would deal with the trainers and, and the clubhouse people and, and he treated them the same way he treated the ball players or even the uh, team executives. We're, we're, we're walking into the clubhouse one morning uh, into locker rooms, and uh, he passes one of the trainers, and you know the guy lights up and he's like, "Hey, Cy, how you doing?" You know, and and Cy hugged him, <laughs> and he you know said to me, "You look great. You know, did you lose weight? You had a, had a good winter." And and, and just, you know, simple words like that, but it endeared that trainer to him, and that you know Cy noticed. That, you know, hey, he did lose weight, <laughs> you know, and he did take <laughs> care of himself over the winter, you know. <laughs> and and he, he did things like that, which endeared him to other people. And, and like I said initially, the, the message there is that, you know, you, you, you treat people all the same, regardless of their statue and where they are, and and especially those that help you. You know, uh, and and that would make them even more willing to do things for you. You, you know, you're drawing my memory of, of Butch of what um, Dad. Um, I think in, Butch would know. Dad, I would try to get all the coaches included, whether their pictures were used or not, on some remuneration from tops. We so the trainers and the clubhouse guy the same way we paid the players. So that's right. So these guys, their pictures are never going to get used, and Dad would make it a point of getting them under contract, um, at least paying them. Also, you know, it was Butch who was sending out all those baseball cards to the trainer's sons, the player's sons, um, the right. coach's sons. That was part of that laundry list he sent in every case from from uh, Florida or Arizona. So it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a famous person. He he treated everyone the same. Another thing that that um, jogged my memory is in the early days the scouts were called bird dogs, and they were paid so little with no recognition in terms of what they did in scouting these ball players from Sandlot to Sandlot. And my father uh, started um, honoring them, um, bringing them all in. Um, to a scout's dinner, and honoring them as Scout of the Year. And you were around when he did that, right, Butch? Right. That that was an annual event that we attended, you know, sponsored by cops, and one step further, and I, I wish I could recall the exact year it was. It was noted on the back of the players' cards on season who the scout was that scout. Basically, he honored everyone. I mean, and it was... Uh, he created also... Um, he created a platform for them to be known, certainly the scouts, college coaches, um, and he, he would bring people together, the rookies. And, um, you know, he was very thankful for Butch all these years. I mean, he would talk to me about um, not only what a great guy you were, but, you know, how good you were. Um, he's like he said, it was the best movie ever made, you know, having you as an assistant. You know, so I, I remember stories, and he was very close with Billy Pierce and the Chicago White Sox. So anytime Chicago was in, we spent a lot of time at the in the Chicago White Sox clubhouse, and um, I think Billy Pierce was one of the few people I remember coming over for dinner. 
um, I remember just about sitting on Mickey Mantle's knee. And, <laughs> That's and my father spending and maybe a half hour talking with him. My father was great friends with Mantle. And at, 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 um, at the baseball reliquary, you know that thing? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, had to, I had to speak there. Uh, this woman comes up to me and uh, she says, My father, your father, was a mentor of my uncle. And finally, after about 20 minutes, um, I find out who's your uncle? I said, Mickey Mantle. So I never, I didn't realize the extent of the relationship of my father to Mickey Mantle um, as a friend. My father was best friends with Willie Mays, who he, who he essentially became his agent for. I mean, and, and it wasn't it wasn't so much a financial arrangement. I mean, but you know, it was more of a friendship. I can remember uh, my father uh, telling me, um, you know, Willie was in his first slump, and uh, he was, uh, um, and my father went over to him. My father would put your, his hand on your shoulder and say, "Hello, son." To anyone. You know, it was like a mentor. And hello, son, what's wrong? And my father sat with him for hours. And uh, they became great friends. When Willie retired, he um, Willie would have a car, and they'd go up to Cooperstown every year, and Willie would sign autographs. My father would set it up. Butch, what type of legacy do you want Cy to have? How would you like to add right now to his legacy? What, what type of words would you like to say about him as, as kind of a final thoughts? Well, that he, he created something uh, that is very much a part of the you know, American uh, way of, of, of life. Uh, he, you know, it, it, Gave young boys uh, this this joy, this charm, you know, with this this these baseball cards. Um, it's, like I said, it's very big, but a bit of Americana, you know, and that's his legacy. You know, uh, baseball cards is now a very valuable commodity that's you know uh, traded and saved, and uh, you know it has value, and, and it'll live on long past. Cyberger or, or or either one of us, you know, uh, it is a piece of Americana. Yes, and, and and for Glenn, you know, what what more could you possibly say? But uh, if you can try uh, about about your father and you know the the legacy that you know he has really given to the Burger name. A great great dad, great friend created something out of nothing and um, developed it and um, became part of, um, as Butch said, uh, American, American culture. You know, he created um, kind of a, a, a Hall of Fame childhood for all children who were interested in baseball. <laughs> um, and, he pr- and he promoted baseball. I mean, the cards actually made baseball more popular. One thing that you, you said, Glenn, that kind of jogged my memory, too, part of what we did when we went to the clubhouses was we, we left each player like about a stack of a, a hundred of his own cards. Oh, and it's in everybody's locker. And uh, 
So when the player came in, he saw this stack of cards. And then we would follow in afterwards and we would do, you know, the business, get them to sign a contract and hand out the checks and that. And I stopped by this one particular player's locker and he's sitting there and he has his, his stack of cards in his hands. Now, this is a major leaguer. He's looking at the cards and I happen to come over while he has it in his hands and he says, I finally made it. Thanks for listening to Tops Talk, and we hope you hear us again soon. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and you can follow us on Twitter at Tops Talk. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email at topstalk at tops.com. Special thanks goes out to Clay Laraski, Leanne Minutoli, Glenn Berger, Butch Jacobs, Maxine Berger, David Liner, and Amelia Beanstalk. This has been Episode 12 of Tops Talk. Thank you.